0: What's up, Say What family? Welcome back to the Say What podcast. I don't know what tone of voice that was just that I was just coming in with, but you know, it didn't sound like me. So let's let's try that again. Welcome back to the Say What podcast. Now I'm second guessing what I sound like. I'm acting like I've never podcasted in my life, and I'm literally going on over two years. Anyways, hello friends. I am so excited to chat with you today. We're going to talk about some more pelvic floor stuff, which is one of my favorite. Things to talk about like in the world um but I hope you guys are doing well I'm recording this on a Saturday and we just like had a slow morning and made some breakfast we kind of have a Saturday ritual of having like bacon eggs and either waffles waffles or pancakes on Saturdays and it's just like a beautiful thing that we do <laughs> I really love it because it's just like a tradition that we've kind of started and I can't wait to like have that tradition when my son is here. It's going to be so much fun. So I do some baby updates for you. So I'm now officially in my third trimester, which I definitely feel it. Like I feel so big, like so pregnant, like my stomach just keeps getting bigger. Things keep getting more uncomfortable. I don't really know how to answer the question. Like, how are you doing? Because I like, I don't even know. I'm like, I could give you an answer and it would take 15 minutes to explain everything that is happening to me right now. Um, But I started just saying like, I'm pregnant that's really all I got. Like I'm feeling pregnant. I, my back hurts. I you can only really get relief in the bathtub and trying to move around is difficult. I'm tired all the time. The exhaustion is unreal. And yeah, that's all I really got. I'm like, I'm just tired. And it's not, a, it's not complaining. It's just like, that's my answer. That's what I'm telling you. Um, cause I'm just tired. Like third trimester really is really taken out of me and I'm only you know, just now into it. So we got a long ways to go, but feeling really crazy and surreal that baby is coming soon. I'm just like, so freaking excited as I'm talking about him. He's just like moving around. He's like, Hey, say what family? I can't wait to be there. Um, (laughs) I did a 3d ultrasound this week, which was so fun. So, throughout my pregnancy, I've gotten really like crappy ultrasound pictures. <laughs> like none of them have been good. And, um, I know it doesn't really matter, but it just like makes me happy to see, see him and see how he's doing. And so I know that people will get 3d ultrasound so they can like see what their baby looks like. And I always assumed it was like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like it was so expensive. And so I just like didn't ever think that we would do it. And then I was <laughs> in the bath cause that's literally where I spent all of my time send help for my husband. He's so bored. Um, but I was in the bath and I was like, I'm just going to look it up. And so I looked up kind of some places around Denver to see, um, what was out there and there was this place and it was like a hundred, a little over a hundred dollars to go. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's a steal. Like I'll pay that. Um, because we got like all these pictures of him. We got a ton of pictures of him. Um, I obviously got to, you know, have an ultrasound, which was nice. And the people who are doing the 3d ultrasound, they're not like doctors or nurses or anything like that. They're just technicians. And so they're not really checking on like health of the baby per se. You know, they're not, you know, saying like, oh, he's this long and this wide and all this stuff. They're trying to get some good pictures so we can see what he looks like. And of course, you know, a son after my own heart is very strong-willed and (laughs) he was very much like, Squished up and was like had his legs over his face and had his hands over his face just all snugly and would not move. And we were like, come on, like the whole time we were trying to get him to move so we could actually see what he looks like. So we got, you know, so many good shots of his legs, of his little toes, of his hands. Like we saw so many, you know, body parts, but couldn't really see his face. and the technician would, like, gave me some water. She would try and get me to cough, like, just do these little tricks that they do sometimes to try and get them to move. Um, and that was really fun. But he finally – and then she also gave me some chocolate. And he finally, like, moved his legs down so he could see his face, but he kept his hands, like, curled up covering his face, which was so cute. Um, I was just laughing the whole time because I'm like, of course he's my child. Like, I sleep – like, the way that I sleep mostly is I, I sleep with my hands under my head, like, snuggled up with, like, my legs, you know – um, like on my side with my legs up and that's basically how he was sleeping. And so I was like, okay, he's, you know, acting like his mom already strong willed, um, but also sweet. Like the way he was like covering his face was just so sweet and I just couldn't believe it. And it was really fun to watch Thomas like go through this appointment. Cause it was probably like 30 minutes long. And, um, he, Thomas was just so excited. Like he was standing cause they have this like huge screen that you, you're like watching the ultrasound on and they'll show you the 3d pictures. And he'd be like, Oh my gosh, there's his hand. There's his fingers. Oh, look at his nose. There's his cheeks. And he was just like, so excited the whole time, which was the cutest thing that I think I've ever seen in my life. So that was fun. And just like getting to watch him, like every time he would do something, he just thought it was the cutest thing. And, um, yeah I also had been thinking the past like few days before the appointment like we have his name picked out. we like have it for sure picked out like i f- I ordered something with his name on it this week um or last week, and like, we've been pretty set on it since we discovered this name. And, um, then, then for some reason this week, I'm like, what if that's not his name? Like, what if he comes out and this just doesn't fit him? It doesn't look right. Like what if that's not his name? Like, I don't, I don't have any other names that I like. (laughs) Like, I would love to like give you guys a list of like, here's all the names I'm not using, or here's the names that, you know, are similar to his, but I don't like any names, like any, any boy names. I've had my baby girl name picked out since I was like literally for as long as I can remember, like she's had a name. Um, but when I had a boy, we knew that we wanted to name him after, um, somebody in our life. And so we are going to, like he, part of his name is naming him after somebody. So we knew that much, but we didn't know like his actual name until I just like found it one day. And, um, And so that's been his name. But I've always had some, like, hesitations, like, what if it's not right? You know, that's why we haven't announced it yet. But then seeing him, like, in the 3D ultrasound yesterday, we were like, oh, that's his name. Like, he just – it fits him already just seeing what he looks like. And I know that this is just, like – a 3d you know they just look like any other baby but it's your baby so it's different because it feels like it's you know it's your baby you're watching it in real time and I even asked Thomas I was like did you think like yesterday when we were like talking to him in the ultrasound and like saying his name and seeing pictures of him like did you feel like that was his name and he was like oh absolutely and so um yeah, so I'm not going to announce till he's here, which would it would be so much easier if I would have told you guys. Um, Thomas does want to keep it offline until he's here, so I am going to honor his wishes. Um, and I'm trying not to be annoying about it because, like, I, that, I just don't like that. I think it's annoying. Um, but it was, like, comforting to figure out what his name is, and so that was really cute. And I will say one of the most crazy things was we were, when I was laying there. I'm like seeing him on the screen. It's like live, obviously. So I'm like watching what's happening, and I felt him like punch me, and I saw him punch me like at the same time. Like I, felt, I was like looking at the screen, and I saw his hand like go up to my stomach and he literally punched me. And I was like, Oh, I felt that and saw that. Like that was crazy. Um, that was cool. And a positive thing, which I'm trying not to get too excited about, but like, I know what I saw. So I don't, I don't know why I'm like hesitant, but, um, I my placenta moved. So I told you guys that I had a low lying placenta and the doctors were nervous about it. So I've been on like rest because, um, my placenta was so close to my cervix. They were just like, okay, we just need to be careful. You're going to go see a high risk doctor. Cause we want to make sure that your um, placenta has moved. So that way we can plan for what kind of birth you're going to do. And, um, uh, part of this appointment that we had at this ultrasound place, like you can do like a placenta checkup thing, but I didn't add that on. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm going to the doctor in a couple weeks. They'll tell me. And, um, but when we were doing the ultrasound, she was like, oh my gosh, he just is so snuggled up in your placenta. Like he's just laying on it. And so I was like, oh, like, is it higher? Like, I, cause I, cause the ultrasounds confuse me sometimes about how they do it. And so she was like, she like moved to where, um, she like moved her hand up and was like, oh yeah, like your ultrasound or your placenta is up here. So like placenta is so far away from my cervix, which means if when I go to, well, it's hard cause she's not a doctor, so she can't tell me things, but my placenta is moved from what I could see in the ultrasound, which is beautiful. It's exactly where it needs to be. So if we go to the high-risk doctor in a couple weeks, I'm hoping that she's going to say the same thing and they're going to check it out and it's all going to be fine, which means I can like move forward planning a vaginal delivery, which just makes me so freaking excited. So there's all the baby updates. Sorry, that was really long. Um, I just really love talking about my son. So you're just going to have to, have to, you know, I was going to say deal with it, but that sounded really rude. So (laughs) thanks for listening to me just rant on about being a mom. Um, It's like really exciting. So it's hard not to talk about. Okay, let's get to the actual topic of today's episode though, since we're literally 10 minutes in already. Um, I've actually been getting a lot of questions lately about like early signs of a pelvic floor disorder or like how much pain is not normal with sex and things like that. And, you know, I've been doing this for two years now. And so sometimes it feels like I'm like repeating the same content over and over, but it just reminds me that like we have to keep talking about this stuff because, um, you know, I feel like everyone knows it now because I've been talking about it for so long, but that's truly not the case. Like there's new people who are joining our community every day, finding this podcast every day, or maybe are trying to search for a specific topic or something. So I'm just going to keep talking about this stuff. And and, you know, and the more questions I get from you guys, the more I know like kind of what content you're wanting, what content you're needing. And so I just kind of recognized in my DMs recently that I've been having a lot of questions about like how to know if the pain is too much or if it's just like typical trying to figure out sex or if it's like, um, you know, should I be concerned? Should I not be concerned? And I won't, remember, guys, I'm not a doctor, but I have studied this stuff a lot. and I know a lot about it and have a lot of experience with it. And so I figured today we could talk about early signs of a pelvic floor disorder. So things to like, like look for, like if you have these, it may be worth talking to your doctor about stuff like that. Um, because you know, I had painful sex for a year before I knew that wasn't like, it was an issue because before I got married, like I heard people talk about sex and people loved it. It was the greatest thing ever. And I honestly just thought like, okay, everyone else feels like this, this sex feels this way and they just have found a way to make it work. And that's great for them. I I guess this is just what it's like and maybe it'll get better and maybe it won't, but I just kind of assumed like, okay, this is what sex is. I had no idea it wasn't supposed to be this way until I started talking to my friend and she was like, no, it does not feel like that. And I was like... Oh, interesting vibes. I Interesting. I didn't know that. So I was like, I figured something maybe was up because I was in so much pain every time. But I still just like kind of thought that's what sex was like. And I'm just really trying to help out my girls who are in that boat because I never want anyone to go through what I went through. And so if we can help avoid it, like let's freaking do it. So what we're talking about today is this, the, I'm going to list off some signs to look out for, some symptoms that you may have um, that could sh- could be that you have a pelvic floor disorder. And I want to make sure that's clear, like this could be. I'm not saying that this is like guaranteed that you have something, but I do think these are things that are worth talking to your doctor about. Um, and all of this also, like if you have any of these things, I... A pelvic floor disorder, I want to remind you, like, it doesn't have to always be this way, that healing is totally, totally possible. Like there are absolutely things that you can do, um, to experience healing. And I will talk about those at the end. Um, but I'm also saying like pelvic floor disorder, because there are other disorders besides vaginismus. Like that's what I have, but there's vulvodynia, there's dyspareunia, there's vaginismus. Like I know people who have PCOS will have some symptoms like, or could experience painful sex or endometriosis. Um, and so I, I don't know a lot about, or I'm not going to be talking a lot about like PCOS or endometriosis symptoms. I'm hoping to have some more people on to talk about PCOS and endo- endometriosis. Um, I'm just trying, I'm in like the planning process for that right now. So, but I do want to talk about those cause I think those are important as well. Um, but I'm saying public Florida's order to kind of cover like an array, <laughs> an array of disorders. Okay. So let's get into it. So one of the early, early signs of this is that you cannot insert tampons. So a lot of us women will start our period, you know, I actually don't even know how early the girls are starting it these days, but you know, middle school time, you know, 12, 13, 14, like those years, you know, your preteen years is when you're probably going to be starting your period. And, um, I'm sure your mom's just like, here's some tampons and good luck. And, or you're reading the care and keeping of you, um, which is the only, you know, body anatomy lesson I ever had. The only sex education I ever had was the care and keeping of you, which is an American girl doll book. And it still just cracks me up. But like, that's, what I was given and was told like, good luck. And I was like, what? Um, but I'm sure, you know, you're just like given a tampon. And a lot of us are just like, you know, here we go. Hope this works. Let's see. Let's see if this is the way that it goes in. And a lot of us, honestly, if you think back to like your first time using a tampon, you don't even know how to use it. Like I've heard of some people like just putting the whole tampon in and not even taking the applicator out. or not even knowing how the applicator works. And there's like no shame in that because a lot of us aren't taught. We're just given the tools and saying like good luck, figure it out, which is not okay. We should teach our people how to use this. And I also think we should start, you know, giving our teenage girls and, you know, the people in our lives who are starting their periods, like, um, more than just tampons. Like I think, You know, giving them an option of using, here's a tampon, here's a pad, here's um, a disc, here's a menstrual cup, like showing them that there's other options besides just tampons, I think is really great. um, Because you may not want to use a tampon, you may find that you like a cup better. And I think just the normalization of all of the options is better than just being like, here's the only thing that you can use. Cause I know there's sometimes a lot of shame around like, Oh, I can't use a tampon. That's what everyone else uses. So I have to use a pad. And it's like, no, you can use whatever you want. You can free bleed if you want, like that doesn't matter. It's up to you. Um, and when I say free, free bleed, I just mean like not using anything and just like going in your pants, I guess, like just letting your period go into your underwear. Um, and so, I think you know just sharing our options is better um is better than just being like here's stamp that's the only thing cuz that's not true. So let's say, okay, you've g- been given a tampon and you cannot insert it. That definitely is a sign of <laughs> pelvic floor disorder if you're unable to use tampons. Um, let's say you've tried to use them, but it just feels like you can't get them in no matter what. Um, this could be because your pelvic floor muscles are tight. This also could be because of your hymen. So I have a whole episode t- with one of my best friends. Um, she had a hymenectomy and she couldn't use tampons for a lot of years because of this, because her hymen was literally blocking the opening to her vagina and she didn't know that. And so that's where, where her issues were coming from. So she didn't necessarily have like vaginismus or pellet floor disorder. Her hymen was in the way. And so, um, you could have a high, that could be part of your issue as well, which is also why I want to like <laughs> encourage people to make sure you talk to your doctor, which I'll talk about this at the end, but I just want to reiterate, like talking to your doctor, if you're having any of these issues, because like I, I, you know, as much as it may sound like vaginismus, it could be your hymen, you know, like it might be your hymen's in the way we need to, we need to to do something about that. So there's always reasons to talk to your doctor because there's things like infections that could be causing some problems. So, and you can't test for that at home. So you need to, you need to see a professional. Um, But if you can't use tampons, that definitely is a sign of um, having a pelvic floor disorder of some sort. If you can't get them in or just feel like every time you tried, it was super painful right at the vaginal canal or right at the vaginal opening, then that definitely, definitely is a sign. Another one is you can't insert fingers without pain at the vaginal opening or once the fingers are inside you. So, you know, if you've inserted your fingers before, I know for me personally, like if I had like use tampons on myself or use finger on myself. Like I, it didn't hurt at all, but when someone else did it, it did hurt, which is very, very interesting. That's part of me having like secondary vaginismus, which I think I'm going to have somebody on the podcast soon to talk about having primary vaginismus when you can't insert anything at all. So I think we're going to hear from that perspective, which will be cool. But, um, you know, if you can't, if you can't insert fingers without any pain at all around the opening, or even once the, the fingers are inside of you, that definitely is a sign. And whether it's you inserting fingers yourself or somebody else inserting and it's hurting, like that definitely is a sign. And there really is a difference between like discomfort and pain. Um, but I will say like with this stuff, with talking about inserting tampons and inserting fingers, like if any kind of like, I mean, the discomfort beyond like your tampon not being in the right way. Cause you know, sometimes you'll put your cup in or put your tampon in and you're like, Oh, that's not sitting right. Like something, I need to take it out and like readjust. Like that's different than actual pain. Cause once you readjust, it doesn't hurt anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. Cause you know, I've like put stuff in and I'm like, Oh, I need to like move that over a little bit or it's not sitting right. And that kind of, that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, I'm talking about like when you insert it and you're like, ow. Like that, that's what I'm referring to. That's when um, there could be, there could be a pelvic floor disorder. So that's another sign. Um, another one is when you have anxiety, you experience a lot of tension in your pelvic floor, like your hips, kind of in that area. So this is something that I did not recognize in myself until I started going to therapy. Um, but when I was in therapy, something my therapist would do is um, we would talk about the different parts of my body that I felt tension in when I was talking about certain subjects. So if I was going through something and we're talking about it and we're trying to like work through it, she would be like, "Where do you feel this in your body?" And a lot of times I'd feel it in my jaw. And in my pelvic floor, and I didn't really realize that until she like pointed and asked me, like, where do you feel it in your body? Like, do a scan of your body, like, start at your head and think about where you're feeling tension. And I was like, oh, okay. And I <laughs> recognized that a lot of times I was holding tension in my pub- pelvic floor, and I didn't even realize, it. like, I was like, you know, doing like a goal, which is when you like. Um, you know, tighten up your pelvic floor muscles, which I will be honest with Kegels, guys, I have not talked about them a lot because I have seen so much, like, conflicting information out there about Kegels, like, from different like therapists to different just people talking about it. Like uh, I usually, you know, look to the professionals when I'm trying to, you know, learn something. Um, and I even see, you know, different pelvic floor therapists having different opinions about Kegels. And so I don't talk about those a lot. Cause I'm like, I don't want to spread, you know, misinformation. Um, but a Kegel is like when you, you know, retract your pelvic floor muscles and then like, like then like relax them. So um, I didn't even realize though, that I was like, you know, like tightening up my pelvic floor muscles. Cause it was like almost like an unconscious, unconscious thing or subconscious thing that I was doing, but it was happening. And so anytime I was feeling like nervous or anxious, my muscles were getting tense. So of course, you know, the first time I have sex, my muscles are going to be tense and then it hurt that time. So then I'm nervous every other time. And so my, my body's associating nervousness with tight muscles. And so, Anytime I'm nervous, my muscles are getting tight. So, of course, if we're about to have sex and my, you know, can, my brain is conditioned to it's going to hurt, well, then my muscles are going to tense up. So it's like, you know, as much as public floor disorders are a biological issue, they are also equally a psycho- psych- psychological issue. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's just reality. And so... If you, you know, experience a lot of tension in your pelvic muscles, that also could be a sign that you may have a pelvic floor disorder. And I really did not recognize that in myself until like after I was going, you know, already... already had been diagnosed and then I was kind of looking back over time and you know working in therapy because I didn't even tell my therapist that I had this issue (laughs) until I decided to go to the doctor because I just didn't think it was a problem or didn't think it was worth bringing up and so when I finally brought it up she was like oh we should really work on that like we should really spend some intentional time working (laughs) working on this like this is very important and oh my gosh um and I truly was like, I wasn't trying to hide it from you. I just like, didn't know. I just felt like I, my life was falling apart in so many other ways that we should talk about that rather than talk about this because you know, all that pelvic stuff happened for me, like right after I had gone through some trauma, you know, before I moved to Colorado and even in Colorado. And so I was just like, um, (laughs) I did not, I did not know. I wasn't trying to lie. Um, But yeah, so if if you do experience a lot of tension there, that could definitely be a sign that when you try to have sex for the first time or when you do have sex or when you're having sex, that it could be painful. Because if you're associating, you know, the anxiety with if your body's associating anxiety, nervousness with tense pelvic muscles, like if you're going to do something that's going to but it makes you nervous, then you're going to tense up. So that's just kind of like the cycle that it's in. Okay. The next one is that you have painful pap smears. So I don't really know anybody and maybe there are people out there, but I don't know anyone who like loves going to a gynecologist. Um, But I hated going, I hated getting a pap smear because I knew it was going to be really painful. Now there is a little bit of a difference here between like, Oh, this is uncomfortable. Like this woman's just like, you know, sticking this stuff inside me. This is not fun. Um, there's a difference between that and between, like, holy crap, this is hurting so bad. Oh my gosh, fighting back tears because you're in so much pain. Like, there's a difference between the two. And I hope you guys can use your discretion on that because um, I'm not, because, like, I don't want to tell you that you have a pelvic floor disorder just because you might have, like, a little discomfort when you're getting a pap smear. Like, there's a difference there. Um, because if you're getting a pap smear, like, you're not in the state of, like, you know, being turned on or being excited, which does relax the muscles. Like, they're trying to check you out. And that's just, like, uncomfortable. Like, they're putting the speculum inside of you. It's just some random doctor, you know. So it's just, like, not fun. But there is a difference between, like, that and having, like, a lot of pain. So I have every time I've gone to the gynecologist, or let me prep, before I was diagnosed with vaginismus, this is pre-vaginismus, um, and even post it would still hurt, but now it doesn't hurt anymore because I'm healed. But before going to the doctor, uh, or before getting diagnosed, I. Every time I'd go get a pap smear, I would be like in tears and pain. Like I couldn't do anything after, after my appointment. Like I always had to schedule my appointments for the end of the day so that I could just go home. I, I couldn't go back to work. I'd have to go home I'd have to like get in the bath or like use a heating pad or just like lay in the bed because I was literally in so much pain and I was so sore afterwards. And you would think that, you know, the couple pap smears that I got before I got married and I was experiencing that much pain, you would think a doctor would be like, hey, that's like probably a problem. Let's talk about it. But of course no one ever did, which is so ridiculous. And I'm wondering if it's because like, The doctors do understand that like, it's not fun for people. So there's a level of discomfort, but there really should be a better like scale or, you know, education. Well, I don't, I haven't gone to medical school, so I don't know what they're talking about, but I would love to see more doctors just be aware of pelvic floor disorders and be aware of the pain that their, you know, patients are experiencing during these things. Because if you were like in tears, like that, that is just not okay. Like that is, that is a sign that something else is up, um, so that that definitely is a sign that you could have a pelvic floor disorder. And for me, like the only um, signs before I had sex was that I had tension in my pelvic floor muscles and I had painful pap smears. I could use a tampon. I could insert fingers never had any issues with that. So for me, like, that's the only signs that I had. Um, But that's just that's just for me. So there could be there's other people out there. So I'm gonna, (laughs) you know, want to share that. Okay, next one is that you experience burning when you try to insert something. So if you're feeling any burning, when you insert a tampon, insert fingers, insert a penis, like if there's any burning in your in your vagina around your vaginal opening, that definitely is a sign that something is wrong. Now, you know, sometimes we get infections in our vagina. Sometimes there's like bacterial infection or UTI or whatever. Like sometimes we have infections, and so burning is often is often a um, sign of infection. I'm not talking about like the one time that you're burning and then you go get on medicine and that goes away. I'm talking about burning like every single time. So there definitely is a difference here because a lot, like if you if you if you do have um, a uh, infection, like burning is one of the, the most common symptoms of infections in our pelvic floor. I'm talking about like, this is like repeated over and over, like every time you insert, regardless of if you have an infection or not. So that's what I'm talking about. So if you experience burning every time when you try to insert something, that is not a normal pain. Like that is, that is not that, or no pain is normal, but that is not normal. It should not feel like that. So that is definitely a sign that there's something going on with your pelvic floor. So for me, before I had sex, I only, the only symptoms I had were the tension in my pelvic floor and painful pap smears. I didn't have anything else. Um, but you know, that's just me and that is what it is. Uh, but I did want to share that. Like those are the only ones that I had. So now let's move on to when you're actually having sex and here's some signs that you have a pelvic floor disorder. So everyone tells you that when you have sex for the first time, it's going to be painful, it's going to hurt. And I understand why people say that because, you know, for most people, unless I guess you've used, um, unless you've used a like dildo or sex toy, like this is the first time that you are having something that large penetrate you. Like a penis is a lot larger than fingers. It's a lot larger than tampons. So like that is the first time that you're having anything of that size go inside of you. And you know what? That probably is uncomfortable for the first time because it's like, let's set the stage. Let's let's say that you, you know, you've never had sex before and you may be nervous about sex. You may be a little anxious. You may be a little bit like, I don't really know to expect. So that's going to cause, if you have those feelings, that's going to cause some tension in your body. And it like takes some time to like learn, like, your person that you're having sex with too, because some positions are not always comfortable. Like I am healed of vaginismus, but there are definitely some sex positions that we don't do because like, it's not comfortable for either of us. Like we just can't either figure it out or our bodies just don't like it. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it just takes some time to figure it out, you know, figuring out your lube and stuff, but it takes some time for it to be comfortable. So I do understand why people say like, Oh, your first time's going to hurt, but the other times it's going to be better and great. And I get that. But I do wanna stop, you know, using this language or the first time it's gonna hurt. I'd rather say the first time it may be a little uncomfortable. because if, because there really is a difference between like, you know, your first time having sex and he starts to go inside of you and you're like, Oh, that's a little uncomfortable. Like something about that doesn't really feel right. Like maybe he's going in at an angle. Maybe we need to try to go in more straight or something, or maybe I don't, maybe I'm not turned on as much as I thought. Um, maybe I need a little bit more lube. So like there's a difference between that kind of feeling of like, Oh, that's a little uncomfy. And you know, than having And the opposite of that, of having the, holy crap, I feel like I'm going to die. This hurts so bad. I'm in tears or on the verge of tears. I cannot wait until this is over. There's a difference between the two, okay? the first one that I talked about being like, oh, this is a little bit kind of uncomfy. Like we maybe need to try something else. Like I would say that's more normal because that usually does go away. Like let's say that's your first experience and then your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth experience. You're like, ooh, we like this position better and that's not as uncomfortable anymore. And oh, we weren't using, we were using a lube that was irritating me and I didn't realize it. So we're gonna try a different lube. We were were using a water-based and we wanna try a silicone lube. And now we're trying a silicone lube and it's more smooth and that helps. Um, And you're like, okay, that position, it just does not fit our body types. And now we found a different position and it's more comfortable. Okay. Like that is, that's what people are, you know, what I like to think. That's what people are meaning by your first time hurts, but it gets better. I just think we should take hurts out of the conversation because it should not hurt. Like sex should not be, it should not be painful. Like while painful sex is common and is not normal, it should not be painful. It can be uncomfortable. Um, but I do want to say, like, sometimes we're afraid to admit that things are painful. And so you have to use your discretion, which I why, is why I think a lot of this stuff is hard and why a lot of people don't get checked out. Because you do have to use your discretion here. Um, because, like, you may be saying that things are uncomfortable, but it's actually really painful and you're just scared to describe that. But hopefully you guys know what I mean when you're like, oh, that was just like a little bit uncomfy versus like, oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. Like I'm burning or that feels like we're hitting a wall or I feel like you can't go inside, like you can't get in there. There is a difference. If you experience the first one where it's just like, oh, it's a little uncomfy, like give it a little bit of time. And you know, like I said, try some different lubes, <laughs> try some different positions, make sure you're turned on enough, like that kind of stuff. Um, but if you are experiencing the like, Ow, holy, literally, holy crap. I feel like I'm going to die. This hurts so bad. On the verge of tears. Something that I wish I would have recognized in myself a lot sooner was I kept saying, like, in my head, I can't wait for this to be over. I hope he finishes soon. If you're saying those things, that's not okay. Like, if you're having those feelings of, like, oh, I wish this would be over soon because I— would, you know, I've talked about this a bunch. Like I didn't tell my husband that it hurt. I was really good at faking it. This is not on him at all because I never gave him any signs that I was in pain. But in my head, when we were having like actual intercourse, cause I could still do that. It just was extremely, extremely painful. When we're having intercourse, I'd be like, Oh my God, I hope he finishes soon. I, I need to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can to help him finish soon. So this does not last long. Like I cannot wait for him to get out of me that is not okay. Like that is not what it should feel like. Like that is not what it should feel like. Um, and I would even feel that way when I would be like, you know, cause I, cause, cause, you know, sex is for both of us. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, both feeling really good. And so even when you're like also getting pleasured at the same time, like I'd still be like, even though this kind of like feels good for me because of stuff that we're doing to me, The actual penis inside of me is hurting and I can't wait for it to be done. Like that is not okay. That's not what it's supposed to feel like. So hear me, friends. Like that is not what it's supposed to feel like. And, like, another sign with the sex part could be, like, maybe you don't have a ton of pain when he first initially inserts inside you, but as he's inside of you the whole time, that's painful. Like, that's also a sign of it not being, that, that something could be wrong. You could have a pelvic floor disorder. Um, because everyone, I think, experiences pain differently. I know that mine and a lot of people I have talked to have mostly experienced pain right at the vaginal opening, and then once they get inside, it doesn't hurt that much anymore. But for some some people, it hurts the whole time. That they're inside, um, and and that's not okay either. So those are some definite signs of like that that something is wrong, and it shouldn't feel that way. Like it should not, sex should not feel. Like, and I don't like to say should, but in these in these conversations, I am because that's how I gotta describe it. It's you should not be thinking I can't wait for this to be over because this hurts. Like that's not okay that is a sign that something is wrong and that there's a pelvic floor disorder that you probably have. Um, And I will also say, I have like talked to some people before, and I don't know if there's an actual name for this or if this is just like cause and effect, but I have talked to some people whose husbands, and I don't know how they quantify like a large penis versus a smaller penis or whatever, but, and maybe it's just like their body shapes and sizes, but I have like, you know, talked to some people before whose husbands really did have like a penis that was so large that it struggled to get into the, into her. And it wasn't necessarily that she had like a pelvic floor disorder. She just needed her muscles to be used to something of that size getting inside of her. And so she would use dilators to help that out. And That's all she needed to do. And once she used like really large size dilators a lot, her muscles got used to something that size and she was okay. So I've actually heard that from, from a couple people. So that could also be something as well of like, you your husband just has a large penis (laughs) we we need it we need to do some work on that you know on your body you should try and, and accommodate that size so I've also heard of that before I don't know if there's like a name for that or whatever but I have heard of those stories before I think that's important to share Um, but like I said, with this, you got to kind of use your discretion a little bit, but I do feel like it's really helpful for me to share what you guys said, because I asked you like what your pelvic floor disorder feels like, if you could describe it, because I just think back to Hannah when she was, you know, myself, Hannah, when I was going through that year of painful sex and thinking like, I said out loud multiple times, I know I don't have vaginismus because I, I thought you had vaginismus if you had been assaulted, i didn't, cause that's what I was taught in school. And so, um, I didn't think that you could have it if you had not. And so I was like, I remember telling me, like, I don't have vaginismus. I don't really know what it is. I don't know how to describe it. I just thought that's what sex was supposed to feel like. And I just think back to her and it makes me sad. And I don't want anyone to ever experience that. So I think it's helpful to hear from other people how they would describe like their pelvic floor disorder. And so if you're sitting here wondering if this is you or not, like this can, this could help you out. So here's what some of you guys said. I didn't list them all because that would be very long. But also a lot of us said the same thing. And the main response I got was very similar to this first one. And that was, I definitely felt like I was hitting a wall. But I also had this feeling like it was on fire. So the main response I heard from you guys was, I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I feel like I'm hitting a wall. So, or like he's hitting a wall when he's trying to go inside me. So that's definitely a sign. That's one of them, um, that a lot of you guys said and the fire and the also feel like it's on fire. I think that's a good description as well. Like you're just feeling like it's burning and it hurts. Like something is on fire when he tries to go inside of me. Another one I heard, another one that you guys said was it feels like my opening talking about my vaginal opening is way too small to fit my husband. Like it's way too tight and narrow. Um, and so that's what I was mentioning earlier. Like maybe, maybe your husband just very large and we need to use some dilators that are of his size to be able to get used to the stuff going inside of you, you know? Um, and so that's another thing I heard. Um, another one or another thing that you guys said, another one, it feels like a wall and just too tight. It felt impossible for penetration again with the wall comment. Like a lot of you guys said, it felt like you were just hitting a wall. Um, next one. Only way I could describe penetration was like when you slam a finger in a door, instant shock, cold sweats and shaky, just awful, but so much better after pelvic floor work. Well, I am so happy to hear that it is significantly better after pelvic floor work because hallelujah for pelvic floor school therapists, they literally save lives. Like I am so, so, so grateful for that. Um, but I think this is a good way to describe it of like, when you slam a finger in the door, you get, you get sweats, you get your instant shock, like it, you know, throws you off. It's so painful. Um, and so that's, that's how she describes it. And this does make me sad, like reading these, but I am also encouraged because a lot of you guys have said that like, it wasn't always like this after you went to for physical therapy, you experienced so much healing and it's not like that anymore. And it's like, praise God for that. Um, okay. Another person said it felt like a tampon was hitting a wall. I can still remember the feeling. Um, the next person said burning feeling was my biggest symptom. Also chronic hip pain. It's all connected. Um, It absolutely is all connected. I think the best thing I did for myself was switch from my pelvic floor physical therapist to a holistic pelvic floor therapist um, because I noticed that in pelvic floor physical therapy, the first one that I went to, she just kept giving me medicine. She was giving me lidocaine. She was giving me diazepam. And she was like, we can't really do any work on you until your muscles calm down. And I'm like, well, you have to sh- teach my muscle muscles to calm down and just giving me medicine. is not going to do that. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I think I just need to go the holistic route because this is just, this is just not working for me. And so I actually found a holistic doctor and a Pellet floor therapist and she was able, and it's the same person I see now. I talk about Chrissy like all, all the time. Um, she has really, you know, helped me you know, heal from pelvic floor physical therapy, but also understand like your body, your whole body is really connected. And if my, like, if I'm having a lot of tension in my jaw or feeling a lot of stress in my face, like I'm probably going to be feeling in my pelvic floor as well. And so we did a lot of work on my hips. Like my last episode, I shared an update of vaginismus and, um, and pregnancy. And I talked a lot about how a lot of the pelvic floor work we're doing now, we're not doing any internal. It's all external. It's all around my hips and my, you know, butt and like just around my pelvic floor area, but the external side. So it truly is all connected. Okay. Next response. Someone said, ring of fire, honestly, until pelvic floor physical therapy. Now it's so much better. And I'm like, praise God for that. I'm so happy to hear that. It's so much better, but the ring of fire. So a couple of you guys have used fire to describe this. Like it's burning. It's on fire. Um, I've heard that a couple times. Another person said it feels really tense and I can't relax. So yeah, it just feels really tight. And like, no matter what you do, you can't get your muscles to relaxed. Okay. This next one, I don't even know how to give like a warning. If if hearing about like a knife is hard for you, you might want to just like skip over two seconds. I won't spend time talking about long, but I do want to, I think it's important to mention this one. Um, she said being knifed or many small razor cuts and oh, I'm just so sorry. And that, that is a lot of times how it can feel and it sucks really, really, really bad. Okay. Next one. It feels like his penis can't fit or is too big bouncing against a wall and it takes multiple tries to get in. So, yeah, that's another one. Like I said earlier, the penis too big situation. And that may, may not always be the case. Like you may also have a pelvic floor disorder, but I did feel like it was important to mention the couple stories I've heard of people who like needed to use dilators of a larger size to get, to get used to the size of their husband. So I felt like that was worth mentioning. Okay. Next one. It feels like it will not stretch no matter what feels just like it's too small period. Like a penis will rip me apart. <laughs> yes, friend. I am just with you in that. I'm so sorry. Um, But yeah, like if you, if you have that feeling of like, it just will not get any bigger, it's just so small, like nothing can go inside. That definitely is a sign of your muscles, like spasming, freaking out and not letting anything in. Okay. Next one, a stingy stretching pain with insertion and soreness as it goes on. So I think that's a good description as well. Like it's feeling like you're stretching the whole time and the like right with insertion, but as you guys are continuing to have sex, it feels sore. I think that's also a good description of it as well. Cause sometimes it's just so hard to describe it. So that's also, I wanted to read what you guys are saying. So you guys can understand what other people are feeling and maybe that can help you describe it yourself. Okay. Another one said pins and needles and burning when trying to insert anything. So there's the burning again. Um, and the last one I'm going to read says lately, like hundreds of stinging bees are on my pelvis. Oh my gosh, that sounds so (laughs) freaking painful, and I am so sorry. Okay, so what are we going to do about this? So we've talked about the signs that you may have a pelvic floor disorder, what it could feel like, hearing from other people of, like, how they describe their pelvic floor disorder. What are we going to do? We are going to see a doctor, and I know that that's annoying, and I know that you're like, Hannah, that's expensive. I get it. I grew up with, like, (laughs) in a family where we did not go to the doctor, unless my arm was literally falling off of my body, like we were not going to a doctor to the point where I had gallstones for a year because they do take a year to grow. And I knew something was wrong, but we still didn't go to the doctor because we don't go just because our stomach hurts. And it's like, okay, we need to reframe those thoughts. (laughs) And I'm definitely going to reframe a little bit of that going into our family. (laughs) But, um, I I need you to go to the doctor because it could be something with your hymen. It could be an infection. And also, like, a lot sometimes to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist, you need a referral. So I'm just going to always tell you to go to the doctor. There are also clinics, like women's clinics, that you can go to if you don't have, like, a regular gynecologist. And a lot of times they'll work with you on a sliding scale because I know – I understand so much the stress of insurance. Like, I am 27 years old and just now – got on like good insurance that I'll be on for a while. When I, before I was obviously on my parents' insurance. So I was on their insurance. And then my dad lost his job like right when I was 26 or not when I was 26 at some, like it was almost time for me to have to be on my own anyway. So I was 25. Um, my like dad lost his job. So like obviously had lost insurance and, um, now my dad has another job just felt like that was important to say, <laughs> but at the time my dad had lost his job. So we lost our insurance. And, um, it's also so sad that we live in a world where like my dad, I remember him calling me to tell me that he had lost his job and he was so upset. He was crying. The only thing he was saying, like only reason, well, he was calling to tell me about his job, but his biggest worry, he was like, this means you're not, you don't have insurance because of the situation that happened. He was like, you don't have insurance. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm going to be fine. We're going to figure it out. But he, he was, like, so stressed because – not even because they didn't have, like – we lo- he lost his job. He's the main provider for my parents' home. Like, he was stressed because that means his kids lost their insurance. And I just hate that that's the world that we live in. Like, that that's their first stress. But – um, so I remember, so like I was on my, you know, parents forever. My parents had great insurance. And then like once after that, I have gone through so many different insurance programs. I've done the like affordable care insurance things that you can like qualify for through Obamacare, whatever that stuff's called. I, you know, have been on those. Like I have, we have gone through the ringer because Thomas and I don't have typical jobs. So like, that's the hard part is like, I don't have a normal nine to five where they offer insurance. Like we've always been more like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial and had, you know, different kinds of jobs. And so like, we finally are at a place in our lives and I'm 27. Am I 27? No, I'm 26. How old am I? I'm going to be 27 in November. Oh my gosh. I can't keep up. Um, like I am, you know, I was like, I just got so distracted by my age. Anyways, I'm about to be 27 and we just got on insurance where we don't have to worry about this anymore. And that's because Thomas works at the church and the church is offering us insurance and I'm on his, but like, it is seriously the biggest stress of life is freaking insurance. So I get it. If that's something that is like causing you hesitation to go to the doctor, but there are clinics out there. There are women's clinics. There's a lot of places that'll be more than willing to work with you on a sliding scale with payment stuff. And so I think it's worth it. I think it's worth the headache of like trying to find a place that can offer that for you just to get checked out by a professional. Um, I really, really, really do think it is worth it. And then after that, regardless of whatever or whatever your doctor says, I encourage you to, you know, Follow that unless your doctor gives really bad advice, like drink wine or, you know, maybe you don't like your husband enough. If they give you like a good plan of like, oh, let's refer you to a pelvic floor physical therapist or, you know, you have an infection. Like I want to encourage you to listen to your doctor. Um, And if you don't, if you feel like after you see your doctor, you're not getting any good next steps, then the next thing I would encourage you to do is see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You do not always need a referral. Um, you may need one, but you don't always need one. And so if you're like, how do I see, find one of those? Literally Google it. Like that, that's that's not me being like sassy or whatever, like or smart. Like that's, that's just how you find one. Like that's, <laughs> I found mine on Facebook, but you can also find them like holistic pelvic floor therapist near me, pelvic floor physical therapist near me and just see what pops up. Um, you can find it that way. You can also, you know, ask your doctor for recommendations. You can ask some friends, ask around, like you can hopefully find one. Um, I wish there were more poet floor physical therapists, like uh, widely available and just feels like there's not unfortunately, but I really hope that there's more options for you. You can also book with some of those online. Like I know, um, Laura Mayhoffer, and I've had her on the podcast a couple of times. She, um, It's fantastic. And I know that she offers like video consults. So there are definitely options out there for you if there's not one near you. So that definitely is worth it. And then my third option is dilators. Like they're great. You can use the intimate rose ones and I can link those in the episode notes. Um, And I think dilating is a great start for you in your healing journey. I have an episode that's like dilating one-on-one where basically goes over like everything about dilating. So you can listen to that if you want to learn how to do it. There's also a lot of videos, tutorials out there for you. Um, but highly recommend dilating. Okay, so those are a couple next steps. I also recommend therapy and talking to your friends and all that stuff. But we are running out of time. We're getting up to almost an hour, and so we gotta we got we gotta stop chatting today. <laughs> um, but that's what we do about it. Um, healing is totally possible, friends. If you're listening to this episode and feeling discouraged, I don't want you to feel discouraged. I know it's so hard, um, but just know that it does not have to be like this forever. That healing is totally, totally, totally possible for you. Um, and I am looking forward to the day that you call me and tell me that you were healed, like, or DM me on Instagram and tell me that you're healed. Like I get those messages from people all the time. Like, even if we've never talked before, my favorite messages are people who are like, I just wanted to tell you that like, I, you know, experience pain-free sex now and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just, I can't wait to hear all your messages about, you know, your healing that you're experiencing. Um, cause it totally happens and it's absolutely possible for you. Well, thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. Love chatting with you, as always. Um, Send me a DM if you need anything. I'm here for you. But I love you guys so much, and we will talk soon.